You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. everyone. I don't know about you guys, but I am so ready for fall. This week has been so nice in Pennsylvania. It's been a little cooler and the leaves are starting to fall just a little tiny bit. Obviously, we still have a good bit of summer left, uh, so I don't want to rush anyone along, but I'm excited for today's podcast because it is with Lauren of Dudley Stevens. And if you followed me on Instagram, you will know that I am a big fan of Dudley Stevens. I have like a whole little corner in my closet devoted to my Dudley Stevens pieces. I have um, their turtlenecks, their pullovers, their sweatpants, everything in between. They're a wardrobe staple of mine, and I've bought all of the pieces. So you know that I truly stand behind it. Um, But I'm excited to learn more about how the brand came to be, more about Lauren and her career journey that led her to Dudley Stevens, and everything in between. So I hope you enjoy this episode and that you guys are getting ready for fall too. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Uh, My name is Lauren Stevens. I'm CEO and co-founder of Dudley Stevens. I live in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, I have two kids and a husband, and, um, and our offices are here as well. Awesome. And I have been a big fan for so long. So I'm so happy to have you um, on here. I literally have a section in my closet of my Dudley Stevens stuff. Like, oh my gosh. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. But I'm excited to learn more about you. So tell me this, like as a kid, were you always into fashion or like design or color? Like what was your childhood like? I, so our childhood, it's funny because I have a five-year-old daughter now, um, Elle, and Elle is very into her clothes every day. And she like wants to put makeup on every morning, which is a whole discussion and (laughs) wants to get her ears pierced already, which is another discussion. And I, my mom was saying the other day that my sister and I, I have a younger sister, Kaki, who's um, my business partner and, you know, best friend. We're very close. And we were very, like, we were much more tomboyish. <laughs> we were not into all the fashion things. And um, I even remember wanting to wear blue because I didn't want to be too girly growing up. Um, so I think that, you know, it's funny thinking back and how I ended up in fashion. I think I definitely loved clothes and, and all that as I got older and into high school and college. But um, but growing up, we were kind of a tomboyish family and we were both competitive swimmers. And um, the love of fashion really started actually after college um, in living in New York City and, and just being connected with, with people through networking and, and getting a job in fashion. And I you know, developed an ex- a, a real love for it while working in fashion. Interesting. Well, so maybe were you entrepreneurial as a kid, do you think, or um, like a, a creative thinker maybe? Yeah, I would say, you know, I was very um, motivated and ambitious and, you know, a good student. And I, um, you know, was very... I think I was just a hard worker, really. I was a really hard worker. And I took a class in college um, called Entrepreneurship 101. And I really remember that class. It, it left a mark on me. And it, it you know, it was always in the back of my head um, to start a business after taking that class. And I think 
I went in, I moved to the city, got a job. And I think in the back of my head, it was just always there, that that desire. <laughs> that little bug to be an entrepreneur. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So speaking of college, where and what did you study? I went to Duke University. I graduated in 2003. I had a sociology major and an English and marketing minor. Awesome. So did you end up doing anything with that career? Like what what was your first career then when you left college? Yeah. So I actually um, applied for a few jobs in the advertising industry and um, got a job. My first job was as an account executive assistant, assistant account executive at McCann Erickson. And my, I was working on the Johnson and Johnson account on stay free maxi pads and reach toothbrushes. <laughs> so it was, you know, total 180 from what I'm doing today. Um, you know, I was 21 years old. New, I had just graduated probably a month prior to starting this job. Um, and I actually, I loved it. I was so excited to be in New York City. I moved into the West Village with a college friend in the smallest apartment ever, probably. And, um, and I, you know, was working in Midtown and I had these two amazing women bosses that I became close with and looked up to and really respected. And I, I learned so much about brand and marketing and how to really tell a story about a product. And I worked with Johnson and Johnson and there were women there at Johnson and Johnson that had, you know, business degrees and, um, were just very good at product marketing. I mean, it was their passion. And, you know, if you learn how to promote stay free max, a maxi pad, like (laughs) you can really talk about anything. And it was, it was so interesting. And I, you know, did focus groups and I, um, worked on their advertising campaigns, which in 2003 were, they were so competitive and they still are. I'm sure. But, um, you know, back then it was, there was no social media. There was, mm-hmm. it, there wasn't, all we had was advertising. So, you know, it was a very competitive and interesting industry. And I, I really learned a lot and I worked long hours and really hard. Um, and then I was out with a girlfriend, um, one night and I was introduced to a woman, um, who headed and, and ran Calvin Klein marketing. Oh. Um, and I, you know, struck up a conversation with her. And, you know, I, as much as I loved this job at McCann Erickson, I knew that I couldn't do this forever. I mean, I, you know, how I was, I was interested in product marketing, but, you know, I met this woman and I was like, oh, this sounds so cool. And she actually, they had a job that they were interviewing for as an assistant in their in-house advertising agency. So, you know, it's kind of taking the skills that I learned and applying them to a fashion brand. Um, so I interviewed for that job and was lucky enough to get it and um, switched over to the fashion industry um, around 2005, I believe it was. So I'd been at McCann for about, you know, just under two years. So, um, you know, I, I I had a lot to learn. <laughs> it was very different change of um, pace and and just, you know, I mean, a total industry change. And I, I, but it was so exciting. I mean, it was, it was really, you know, exciting time. And I was just beyond thrilled to have gotten the job and um, started it just, you know, ready to go. And then here I am, you know, I mean, I hate to say almost 20 years later, but um, still working in fashion. <laughs> I love that. So what were some of the things that you did then, um, you know, at your new job at that time at Calvin Klein? Like, what were some of the tasks and how were they different? So they, so Calvin Klein is a super interesting company and it's changed a lot since I was there. But um, at the time they, so Calvin, Mr. Klein, the man had sold his brand and it was licensed to, he licensed off his whole company, I mean, a lot of his smaller brands to 
companies like a company called Warnico that would basically produce the product and manufacture underwear, bathing suits, et cetera. And then Calvin Klein would put their label on it and sell it. And, you know, obviously they would approve all the product and the labeling and all that. And so where I was working was we were responsible for all of the licensees. I mean, there were probably 30, you know, or more. I mean, it was a lot of licensees that made Calvin Klein home, Calvin Klein socks, like everything you saw with Calvin Klein, the the label on it. Um, we were responsible for the, the branding to make sure that it was all consistent and the logos and all of that. I mean, down to like measuring things and like, like with a magnifying glass pretty much. Um, and then for Calvin Klein jeans also, we had to make sure that the, everything was on brand in terms of the photography and the, and the labels and the, and the branding. Um, and then we worked with, there was an in-house ad agency um, that produced all of the ad campaigns and we worked really closely with them. So anytime there was a billboard or, an ad in a magazine, it went through our department and it was produced, created and approved by our department. So um, it was really cool, really interesting. And you, I really started to understand how these large brands work and, you know, Calvin Klein and Ralph Lauren and all these brands, I mean, they started around the same time and they grew into these massive um, household name brands. And so it was really interesting to get a feel for how they got to be this brand and the, the ins and outs of it and the politics and the um, and just in how important it is to remain true to the brand. I mean, that was, you know, what this whole department was created to do. So it was really, really interesting and got to meet some really cool people and super creative, you know, super passionate and interesting and well-traveled and, you know, just really cool people kind of be attracted to this this department. That sounds amazing. I mean, Calvin Klein is such an iconic American brand, so I'm sure you learned so much. And it sounds like the attention to detail in that position was yes. insane. <laughs> and looking back, I feel like you guys have such great shoots with Dudley Stevens. So I'm sure you learned a lot of that and like the branding element there. So it's really yes. cool, I feel like, to reflect and look back on that. Totally. So how long were you there then? And then right after that, is that when you started your brand? No. So I actually was there working in the ad agency and then I switched to the PR department because a job opened up in celebrity PR and it sounded, I mean, again, it was like, I, I was so young. I was, I think 24, 25 at the time. And I was like, this sounds awesome. Um, applied for that job to kind of switch departments and got that job and then was switched over to the PR team where I was doing celebrity dressing um, and styling. Um, So I ended up doing that for the bulk of my career. So advertising was probably the first three, four years. And then I did celebrity dressing for the next eight, I would say. And I did, I worked at Calvin at, they had an in-house PR agency also. So I was managing samples and, and going to fittings with celebrities and going to all the awards shows and all the events that Calvin did throughout the world. And then, um, so I did that for a while. And then I got a job at Gucci doing the same thing, which was really different. And also, you know, I mean, Gucci and Calvin, they're at, you know, Calvin is different than Gucci, obviously, but Gucci being like an Italian luxury, you know, brand was, I mean, I was going to fittings at Madonna's townhouse on the Upper West Side and oh you know, meeting all these amazing people um, and celebrities. And then got, went back to Calvin um, after Gucci, I'd worked at Gucci for about two years and then got hired back to Calvin in a higher role um, in a manager position um, where I kind of finished out that that um, celebrity dressing fashion 
And then um, I met a woman through a friend who worked at Longcomb, um, which is owned by L'Oreal, and they had a director position open um, on their PR team that was a great opportunity. And I took the job and um, ended up being director of PR for Longcomb um, for just under about like a year and a half to two years. Um, and that job was, you know, I switched industries to beauty, which was also really cool. And I feel like it kind of was combining because they also, Longcomb does a lot of fashion partnerships. They had a big partnership with Jason Wu going on at the time, who I worked closely with. Um, and so my boss hired me with the, you know, hopes that I had this fashion background and then kind of the beauty angle of it. And I feel like I was kind of hearkening back to my advertising days with how to promote and market a product because it's like consumer products, beauty products versus fashion. So it was kind of combining everything um, into one, into this this role. Um, and I loved it. I went to Paris multiple times. We went to South of France. Like it was really wow. cool, really intense work. Like the beauty industry is diff- in, it's different in certain ways. And it, it's just a lot of... Um, it's just it's it's very uh, specific on how to market things, and which again goes back to my experience at McCann Erickson and Johnson and Johnson, and you have to really learn like attributes of a lipstick and what it does and how to speak to that and their skincare and all that. I mean, it was you had to learn a lot. Um, so anyway, so I was there, and then I just really missed fashion. Like I think I was missing that part of my career and my life, um, and I was, you know, newly married and just decided, okay, it's now or never. My family and I had always wanted to do something together. And we kind of like, I quit my job and went out on, you know, I was like, I, I've got to do this. I, you know, I'm never going to do this if I don't do it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. So I need to go back to the celebrity dressing part. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's like the, your favorite celeb that you got to work with during that time or like, I don't know if you can tell like a funny story from that time, but I always find it so interesting. Like everything seems so glamorous and glossy, but then in reality, it's like not really that. <laughs> I know it's so true. And and this world, you know, I was, um, I worked my way to a higher role, but I, I really was responsible for, you know, the dresses and the, and I worked really closely with um, the tailors and the designers and the people actually like physically making these custom gowns for the red carpet. Um, which I learned so much about color and fit and fabrics. And, um, you know, it's always, I, I don't have a fashion degree, but I felt like it was looking back. I just, I learned a lot from that experience. Um, and I would say the best, I mean, the most exciting um, thing that I think I worked on was dressing Emma Stone for the Golden Globes the year. So the, she was nominated, um, I think for the movie Easy A, if I can remember correctly. And she wore this beautiful peach um, Calvin Klein gown with like this keyhole open back. And it was fit her perf- like a glove. Like it was the most stunning gown. Um, and, you know, just very Calvin, very minimalist, simple, but just stunningly beautiful. And then that same year, I, I'm pretty sure it was the same year. Um, we dressed Gwyneth Paltrow for the Oscars. Oh, wow. She wore this beautiful beaded, gold beaded, like sequin um, column dress that just was out of this world beautiful. Um, I had to like, I had to fit model it for her, which I am not as tall as her. So like, it, but this was the sort of things. It was like, we don't, we need a model. We don't have a yeah. model. Okay, Lauren, just throw it on because we need to make sure that the the length or like the, the fit is right before we go have this fitting. And so just little things like that. And then I was in the fitting with her and, um, and she, I think it was the year she was, 
performing, I think, that year at the Oscars. Um, so it was just a really cool year and interesting experience all throughout the Golden Globes and then um, and then the Oscars. And we also dressed Jennifer Lawrence that year. It was like her first breakout year. She was nominated um, for her. I think that was kind of how she was discovered and put on the map, so to speak, that year. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very interesting to dress Jennifer Lawrence and Gwyneth Paltrow because you had Gwyneth Paltrow, who was an A-list established movie star. Mm-hmm. And then you had Jennifer Lawrence, who was new on the scene, very young. I mean, I think she was younger than I was when we were at this point. Um, and, you know, had her whole family there from Kentucky and like Aww. was like, you know, very new to everything. But, you know, they both are such lovely women. And it was, you know, it was just such a an interesting experience to see Hollywood up close and personal like that and how, you know, they are these very accomplished, beautiful women that people look up to for style advice and beauty and all these things. And um, and it was just interesting to see behind the scenes and how they're pretty normal and like pretty, you know, amazing people. And I never really had any, um, you know, bad experiences. I think maybe, you know, I'm sure that so many people do in the industry, but I was always on this end of like coming in with these beautiful dresses and giving yeah. them clothes and bags and whatever. And so there was, it was always a thankful, appreciative tone. And it was never, you know, I was never really, I never really had any, you know, unfortunate experiences. It was all, you know, it was hard work and it was stressful and it was um, making sure everything was perfect and exactly how everyone, you know, would expect from these very high-end brands. I mean, you're representing them. So everything from the way I looked and I was presented to how we arrived with all the things. I mean, it was very detail focused and all that. And um, so I think that from that end, it was stressful, but I always felt appreciated in the industry, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense, though. If you came in with all the pretty things for them, then I'm sure that they were very kind. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, that sounds like an amazing experience. So now I want to talk about Dudley Stevens then. So you've always had in the back of your mind, you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you wanted to do something, and this moment felt right. So what was the idea behind, you know, your material obviously is very specific. Like, talk to me about the process of coming up with the brand Dudley Stevens and what it would be. So, yes. So we, my parents, we grew up in Connecticut um, and my parents, when I, my sister graduated college, actually my family or my parents bought a house on the water, like a a little beach house. And they, you know, they didn't retire, but it was very much like the kids are out, we're moving to this house. And my sister and I would, were living in the city at the time and we would come out um, to visit and we they, they've got a boat and we started going out on their boat and we were, you know, it was like being out on the water and needing like a fleece coat or something to keep you warm um, became a real thing around my parents' house. And, and a few times I think my mom would say, you know, she'd have these fleece jackets and, and things lying around the house. And she said, why can't this be stylish and, and chic and, or tailored? And, um, and, you know, we just, all of us kind of thought, yeah, I know, like, wouldn't that be if it were, the color were a little bit better and the fit were a little bit better if it was something I'd want to wear to dinner, maybe um, to a nicer restaurant. So that was very much the start and the initial thought of the brand um, came from my mom from, you know, saying this to my sister and I. And um, I was married at the time and my sister was about to have her first baby. And we were just at this kind of um, crossroads in our lives as moms and, and businesswomen where, you know, we just thought, well, let's try this and see 
what it, what we can do with it and we'll and kind of just go from there and see what happens and my sister chimed in immediately and was like I want to help and I want to do this with you guys and my mom was so passionate about the design and the fit and um, finding the right fabric and etc and um, I found I found the factory which was in Brooklyn at the time and we kind of just dove in and thought we have nothing to lose and let's just try this and we found actually a custom dressmaker in Norwalk, Connecticut, um, who made our first samples. And we had, you know, a bunch of fittings with her and we kind of pieced together these, this idea, these ideas. And she made these samples and my mom and I um, went to pick them up at one point and we tried them on and, and we both just said, we have to have this, like this has to, how do we make now? How do we make this? How do we actually find the fabric, buy it, make it and all that. And, um, we really, you know, I had a background in fashion PR, but I had zero knowledge about production and manufacturing and fabrics and all that. I mean, it was a real just test and learn process. Um, I spent a lot of time Googling things and, you know, making phone calls and cold emails and just reaching out to manufacturers locally in the city. I was living in Brooklyn at the time, so I just thought, let's find something local and that will make my life easier because I can I don't know anything about this and see if we can just get started here uh, locally. So was really lucky enough to find this factory and um, we sourced recycled fabric because we knew it existed and we thought that has to be part of our brand. I mean, if we can find a sustainable recycled fabric, then we will use that for everything that we can use it for. So so that was kind of the start from the beginning. And then, you know, since it was family family founded. It was my sister, my mom and I, we thought, well, it has to include Dudley, which is my maiden name. And it then Stevens, which is my married name. It just sounded good together. So, <laughs> and then we, yeah, so we pieced those together to create the brand name. And then we love pineapples. Like we've always had pineapples everywhere in our house. And um, I used it as my, the theme of my wedding in 2013. And so we just thought that would be a really cute logo to have as part of the brand name and then also embroidered on every garment. So yeah. it was a little random. I mean, I remember one of my girlfriends was like, isn't it kind of random to start a fleece clothing line and have like a tropical fruit? And I was like, I guess, but we like it. So <laughs> we're just going to go with it. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So what year was that? And I guess, you know, how long did it take from idea to like, having, did you launch with a website or did you launch like at a pop-up, like having product to sell to a customer basically? Yes. So we, this was in 2015. Um, we, we had the samples, we found the factory. Um, we've sourced fabric from Polar Tech, which is a, uh, one of the original fleece manufacturers in the United States. Um, and we quickly, we, I mean, probably within under a year, we were able to buy the fabric in the colors we wanted and, and make the product. And we launched in October, 2015. And my sister was the one who came in and completely built the website um, from the ground up. At the time we were using Squarespace and you know now we switched over to Shopify about a year after that. But initially we used Squarespace and it was, it was an amazing website. And we found a local photographer that was a friend of a friend and he's been, we still work with him today. And I modeled the clothes and we just kind of started super scrappy. I mean, we did not pay for anything. Like the only thing, the largest, you know, I think thing that we had to pay for was the inventory. Mm -hmm. But for marketing, we 
essentially just used our, that was where our skills, our skills were. My sister has a marketing background and I have PR background. So we, we really kind of started scrappy and just built a website, tried to take what we thought were beautiful photos of the product and launch on Instagram. Yeah. So what, um, obviously you have so many different collections and styles and even use different materials these days, but what did you launch with again? What were like the pieces, the colors, that sort of thing? Yes. So we, our Cobble Hill turtleneck was one of our original styles that we launched with in black. And to this day, it is our number one bestseller. Uh Um, It was, we had six styles that we launched with. um, And that was one of them. We had a little cute cape. We had a skirt. We had like a three quarter um, boat neck type, not boat neck, um, like crew neck top. um, And then a few other styles. And we, this, oh, we had a, a zip up jacket that kind of had this like um, cute crossover neckline that zipped up on one of the sides. And it, the cobble Hill turtleneck was, we sold out of it immediately. And we heard, and you know, as you, when you launch a brand, obviously your friends and family are going to be the first, uh, (laughs) consumers and buyers and everyone wanted another cobble Hill turtleneck, but they wanted it in a different color. Mm -hmm. So we immediately got to work on that and came out, you know, hit the ground running and, and started producing, designing other styles. We designed more capes, a blazer, a vest, um, and more Cobble Hill turtlenecks. We eventually made another turtleneck that was the Park Slope that was shorter because we heard feedback from people saying, it, the Cobble Hill hits me dip, uh, bad on my hips or th- blah, 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 too long. I'm not tall enough. So we made this shorter version that um, is also now a bestseller. Um, shortly after we launched, we launched the Park Slope. So, um, But the Cobble Hill turtleneck is, it's I think that if anyone is listening and looking to start, um, you know, their own company, like really thinking about what your your mission is and your brand and um, staying true to that and and thinking about your core product and, you know, what is the margin on that product? Is there longevity? Is it super trendy or is it a, you know, closet wardrobe hero, which the Cobble Hill is? Um, you know, these are all things that we might have thought of, but... We also were kind of lucky, like, you know, it was, it was, it was, we did not know that that style was going to go gangbusters. Um, we had a feeling of, of it because we loved it, but that the fact that, you know, here we are seven years later and it's, it's still, um, you know, up on our top sellers every year is, is pretty unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of my favorites too. Like, I just feel like it's so comfy for me. I'm short, so I don't mind that it's longer because I can wear it with leggings. <laughs> yes. Yep. That. I know some people like it. Like it yeah. works. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. So speaking of marketing, obviously you said you sort of launched and spread the word through friends and family um, and Instagram, but like has Instagram remained your best form of marketing or what, what's worked really well for you in terms of reaching new customers? So I would say Instagram, we hit it at the right time in 2015 where influencers, fashion bloggers, mom, you know, mom bloggers were kind of all on the, uh, you know, they're still on the up. I mean, it's still such an incredible industry and um, opportunity for people, but um, we knew as we, we really like, I took my skills from celebrity PR and adapted that to influencers and Instagram and gifted people and reached out and, and paid people where we needed to and, um, or where we could in the very beginning. And we, um, we really used that tool and that advertising. And then I think word of mouth, once people saw it on Instagram really helped also, but I would say 
here we are seven years later and, and we knew at some point that we'd have to diversify from social media. Um, and what we did was we really focused on social media, obviously, um, our email list. So like digital marketing, um, social media advertising through Instagram, Facebook, Google, um, and and then also we now have in-home printed mailers that we send out quarterly. So we we've in the past, you know, five years, I would say we've really focused on all of those areas. And and I think it's helped us grow. And also on top of that, too, my sister Kaki built out a loyalty program. Um, I think in 2018 or 19, I can't even remember. I'd have to look it up. Um, and it's we have a point system where people can sign up for an account and accumulate pineapple points for future purchases. And we also have a referral program where you can share a link with a friend and if they shop, you get $25. So um, those, I think those things I've just listed in terms of marketing have really, really helped us grow and reach new women. And what we found and what we found, you know, the past five to seven years is that once a, once a woman has a Dudley Stevens, she will come back. She is very likely to come back for another. Our repeat purchase rate is over 40%. So if we can just get in the hands and get in your closet once, we, we are, know you're likely to come back. So our goal really the past five years has just been to reach new women. And I think Instagram has been an amazing tool for that. And it's really allowed us to reach new women get out there, get our name out there and, and, per, and tell our story really in a very personal way and, you know, use stories and do behind the scenes and, and try-ons and all that. And um, so that's been an amazing tool. I do think though, that looking down the line, we will, we're, we're already starting to think, how can we even diversify more, whether that's wholesale or retail stores? I mean, that's, these are all things that now that we're, hopefully coming out of COVID, we're starting to really think about. Yeah. I love a few things you said there. I loved one, how you sort of mentioned doing direct mailers to customers. I think things are going a little bit old school again. In totally. Brands yeah. are realizing like send things in the mail, like customers kind of love that. I don't want to say like nostalgic like aspect to it, but it almost yeah. is that. Like there's something personal about receiving something in the mail. Um, and I even, you know, with press, we're mailing things physically these days again. Um, yeah. Even like I know a bunch of brands these days are mailing physical samples to stores. To, like the physical and the personal touch is back, which I love. I agree. I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. And I think that we've spent two year, two plus years now with a global pandemic. And a lot of us were isolated and home and not seeing people and not shopping and not going out and, you know, for various times during this past two and a half years. And I think now we're craving that real interaction. Like it's, it's I, you know, and it, I, I'm feeling it now with our brand and our company and just our, lo our office. And, um, and so it's, I think it's going to continue that way. I think that you know, there's a lot of like, not trauma, but I think that people coming out of this pandemic are like, get me out there. I want to yeah. be with people and I want to feel it and I want to try it on in real life. And, um, and so, you know, that's exciting. And I think that we were very fortunate during COVID that we were direct to consumer and we continued to have exponential growth um, throughout that time um, because we didn't have to shut stores down and all that. And, and so I think we were, we were lucky during that time, but now it's time to think about 
the future and what's ahead. And I think that that you're right. It's kind of going backwards a little bit. <laughs> exactly. But you guys are really good at the text messages too. I get those. Yes. Um, and they like remind me to go like shop your sale and things like that. Yes. I should have mentioned that. That's Khaki's. Khaki was, my sister was really big on developing our text program and it is the, the conversion rates and the click-through rates are really outstanding. It's a, it's a great way to reach people. Definitely. Um, and then we, you mentioned Instagram being, you know, a great, um, platform to, to reach customers. And I think you guys do a really good job of, I I like how you're a model in the shots a lot. I like how you're showing it like in real life and what you guys are actually doing. Um, I think a lot of brands forget that, but once again, going back to like, you know, a personal touch and feeling connected. I, I think more we're going to see that from more brands. And I think that's so smart. Like we do want to feel like we know the owner behind the brand and see a yes. real person in the product and it being used in real life. I agree. You know, it's funny that you say that too, because um, we, I was just looking at Kim Kardashian's, she launched or she has Skims, her mm-hmm. company. And uh, my mom just pointed out that she does a lot of the modeling. I mean, she's in the product and you know, everyone knows it's Kim Kardashian and it's her brand. She's Kim Kardashian. She's, you know, everyone knows who she is. But I just do find it interesting that she's very much a face of the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. And I think I respect her for that. And it's a lot of work to be the face of your brand. Like I know, like doing these photo shoots and trying to run a company, it's it's can be a lot. And you have to style them out. And I like to style them myself. And I like to have control of my hair and makeup and do my own thing. And, I, you know, so it's, it's a lot of work in that regard. Um, but yeah, I think, and also, I mean, I, I separately too with the Kim Kardashian and Skims. I just watched um, the Victoria's Secret documentary. I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but um, I binged it. It was so good, and it was fascinating. And the crazy part about Victoria's Secret was that it, it was this female, you know, a woman focused it was lingerie and underwear. Mm-hmm. But the man who ran it and built it was a, he was a man, and no yeah. one knew that. And I think. Now we have, with the power of social media and Instagram, you know, we are, as women, able to speak up and research and dig and find and post and talk about things and relate. And, you know, because of these amazing tools that social media has given us, you know, we can buy from companies that we believe in and that we relate to the founder and and we have a commonality with them. And I think it's such a powerful thing and position that we're in now as consumers and, and women that we're able to do that. And I think, you know, this documentary, I highly recommend watching it. It was so What's interesting. What's it called? Um, it's called Angels and Something, I think. Okay. It's on um, Hulu and it's three episodes. And That's it's cool. all about Victoria's Secret and just like the downfall. And and it's it's really dark and like kind of messed up, but it's really interesting. <laughs> okay. It's going to, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend it. <laughs> um what would you say, obviously we mentioned this a little bit, but what would you say is your greatest challenge? Like, is it that balance or is there something else that you find is the most challenging part? I think the most challenging part is, you know, taking on areas of the business that I do not have experience in. And I mean, now I do, <laughs> seven years later, but I, you know, some things I just still don't know much about and I have to learn and I have to understand. And I think it's, it can be really like imposter syndrome is real and you you worry that you aren't doing the best job that someone else could do. And if there's one thing that I feel like I've learned, it's that if you're ever struggling in one area of the business or you feel it's not working, um, there's other people that can do it better and hire someone if you can that is 
you know, excellent in that industry and let them run with it. And I think um, the hardest part is a relinquishing things because it's your baby. And then the second hardest part B is, you know, understanding that you just, you can't do it all. And, and a, you can't do it all. And then also you, there's no way that someone can be an expert in every field of a business. I mean, it's, these businesses are so intricate and there's so many different little components of them that make up the whole. And, you know, when you, I, I did not realize that when we started this company that, you know, we would have to be doing everything. I mean, I think that's another thing to think about if you are considering starting your own business, even if it's a blog, even if you're going to be an influencer, yeah. you have to do everything. And it's like, you're basically becoming a, a, a full-on magazine that we used to read in in our hands, tangible, but yeah. online. Like you're, you're styling the photo shoots, you're doing the photo shoots, you're writing the content, you're doing blah, blah, blah. And I'm just using that as an example because we all see influencers daily on social media and everything. And there's so much that goes into those blogs. And they're, and same with this company. There's just so many little things that go on every day and behind the scenes and um, that we are responsible for ultimately. And, and so, you know, it can be, it's, it's a lot taking on things. You just, you don't, you know, certain things you are like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for Google. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, on the flip side to that question, what are you really proud of when it comes to your business that you've been able to do? Or maybe it's like a feature or someone you've worked with. Um, I would say I'm really proud of working with my mom and my sister. I mean, I don't think that I don't take that responsibility lightly and it is, it has its challenges as anyone would imagine a family business does. I mean, it's, you know, on Instagram, it might look like it's all perfect and blah, 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 but we do have our disagreements and we, and we, you know, I, one of the things I love about it is that I feel comfortable talking to them and pushing back and speaking my mind. Um, But I, you know, it's, it, so there's that, balance to use the word balance of like, you know, we're working together, let's respect each other and our opinions. Um, and, and, but remember ultimately that we are a family and that comes first. And I think that I'm really proud of all of us, you know, the three of us and my dad too. I mean, even though he's not day in and day out, he's hears everything and, and is a part of things. And I would say just, you know, always putting family first and, and really, enjoying the time we spend together and, and thinking positively about it. And when we're having a down day, you know, really coming together and, and lifting each other up. My sister and I, I think as, you know, become part of the reason the business has succeeded. And I just feel so thankful for that. And I'm proud that we've been able to do this for, you know, it's our seven year anniversaries in October, but it's really eight years that we've been developing the idea and everything. So it's been quite a while and I, I, I'm hopeful and just, excited to to keep going with with my sister and my mom and and thankful to work with them. Definitely. I'm sure that's so fun like making those memories together and totally. being able yeah. to do this together for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um so since this is the Preppy podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? Like how would you describe Preppy? So I it's funny because in college I, you know, grew up in Connecticut, went to college in North Carolina, and I remember meeting my girlfriends there, and they thought I was the preppiest person ever because I was from Connecticut. And I always thought I had this cool style, and I was like, I'm not preppy, but I guess I am. I didn't realize it. Like, I was in the Connecticut preppy bubble. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I would say now, um, flash forward to, you know, being a mom, 
um, having this company and working in, in luxury fashion in New York City with like the most stylish women and coolest people who are not, pre- you know, I would not say are preppy. Um, I, I think it's kind of embracing, you know, being a, having a clean classic aesthetic, but I like to make it like a twist on it and feel preppy and put together and classic, but how can we make it cool and a little bit edgier, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I love that being put together and I love your twist on it with a little edge. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite Dudley Stevens piece right now? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, (laughs) So right now I've been living in our summer collection, which is a non-fleece fabric, which is like a a nylon lycra blend. Um, And I would say our Mill Street tank top in white. I've literally try not to wear it every day. I wear it with jeans. I wear it with cute skirts. Um, I wear it under blazers. It's like such a basic piece that I just reach for every day. And I think it's kind of an underrated piece of the collection. Um, But I would say now that we're kind of getting into fall shopping time and season, um, our Park Slope turtleneck is my go-to in any color. I wear it weekly, daily, um, I have multiple col- multiple colors in my closet, and I just think it's like such an easy, comfortable p- t- um, turtleneck to throw on. At, even if I'm just home with the kids or the weekends, um, I'm reaching for it constantly. Yeah. I I love that piece. Like I said, it's like my favorite. I have multiple styles of yours, but that's like always my go-to. It's just love so it. comfy so and fun. just great. Uh, who would be like your dream person to – wear Dudley Stevens? Like a royal, a celebrity, an influence? Like who would be yeah. your dream? Um, I would say oh, that's such a hard question because, you know, after working with so many celebrities, um, I would say Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> oh, I love that. I feel like she would love Dudley Stevens. <laughs> so she wore in the, the first season of um, – the morning show, she wore black turtlenecks the whole like season. And we actually ended up sending her a bunch while they filmed season two. And I, she, you know, we, we, who knows if she even got them. We sent them to like the set um, costume director uh, on the season two. But I just think that she is kind of all Americana, you know, female empowerment, super cool. Um, And I just, I think it'd be, it'd be awesome. So dreams one day. (laughs) She's like, I feel like America's sweetheart. Everyone loves Rachel. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, What are some brands that you love besides Dudley Stevens? Like, obviously we talked about how you're in a lot of the photo shoots and I see you supporting and, you know, pairing your pieces with other brands. Like what are some of your, your three favorites? So Loeffler Randall shoes, I wear all the time. Um, I'm obsessed with them. Um, their boots, their sandals, um, I wear them constantly. Um, Asha Jewelry, um, my friend Ashley is her line. I wear her stuff and I have, have her pendant charm necklace I wear every day. Um, and then I would say Veronica Beard, jeans, blazers, everything. I love I just, I love their dresses too. I think they do such an outstanding job with design and fit and, um, and branding. I just think they're talk about like cool, stylish women. I just, I look up to them and I love, I love that brand. Definitely. Those are all great brands. I love them. Uh, what's your go-to drink? Um, alcohol or non-alcohol? <laughs> Either or, or both. What's your non-alcohol go-to and then your, um, cocktail or wine of choice? 
I love like a really good dirty martini. I'm a sucker for one of those. And then, I mean, I'm just, I'm a huge coffee drinker. I love good coffee. I love iced coffee right now in the summer. And, um, and yeah, I would say those are the two. That's perfect. Uh, what about the last thing you read? Obviously, it sounds like the last thing you watched was that Victoria's Secret documentary. Um, yeah. What about reading? Um, so I just finished a book by Jenny Packham, the designer, um, uh, British designer. It's called How to Make a Dress. And it was sent to me in this in this book club thing. And um, I you know, would have never known about it if I hadn't, if I wasn't in this book club that kind of picks your personal um, they like interview you for questions and then they, they sent me this book and I finished it, you know, very quickly cause it was just so applicable and, and interesting. And, um, and it was so good. And the end her, she talks about her mother passing away and it was just really beautifully written and, and really touching. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Really good. Yeah. What is next for you guys? Like anything that you're working on or a little sneak peek of what you guys are doing next? So we have a bunch of fall styles and colors that will start dropping in mid-August, um, which we are so excited about. So we have some fall transitional drops. We have a sporty drop coming up. And then we have our capsule collection for fall, which is outerwear and um, a vest that's so cool that is going to, I hope, you know, hopefully do really well, but it's like such an easy thing to throw on. Um, and so we've got a bunch of fall things coming up and then we've got a ski capsule collection that will drop later this year and some fun partnerships coming up. Oh, exciting. That's actually what I need to add next to my Dudley Stevens list is outerwear. I have like yes. all of the clothing, I feel like, but oh, I need yes. to add that. <laughs> yes, great outerwear dropping in September. So awesome. keep it <laughs> <laughs> So my final question is where can people find you? Let them know your website URL, your social media handles. That way they can go and support you, shop your styles and follow along. Yes. So we are Dudley-Stevens with a ph.com um, is our website. We're on Instagram um, at Dudley underscore Stevens. And, um, and then we're on Facebook, which is Dudley Stevens. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. This was so thank fun you. learning about one of my favorite brands. Thank you so much. I, I'm so happy to be a guest. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 